Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode of the Why We Watch 100 Isekai Podcast <laughs> with your host, Zaku, and your host, Fermite. I'm Zaku, and that's Fermite. That's me. I- I'm that. Today, we watch uh, episode one of God Mazinger, also known as Godo Majinga. Also known, sure as, also known as Majin Densetsu. Also known internationally as Space Adventure The Deity. Oh man, it didn't even get to be part of the Shogun Warriors. Nope, it is Space Adventure The Deity. Now, I'm curious, is this an original Majinga property or is this written by someone else? Uh, this is a property made by Gonagai. The oh. anime... The anime, the manga, and the novels are all, like, done by Gonagai, and they're all, like, you know, like, they're all mutually exclusive, of course, as is the Japanese way. <laughs> but, like, they are all original Gonagai properties. So they all assumingly have different canons that are unrelated, more or less. Yeah, and as far as I can tell, none of these are related to Mazinger Z, or, like, you know, the more coherent Mazinger narrative. Like, this is just sort of wow. off to the side. This is just, you know, a, a different Mazinger altogether that still serves the same purpose, of course, of being, you know, this powerful being that could be the, go- you know, god or the devil. But it's well, not... Well, the- I mean, mm-hmm. you have to understand that Ken Ishikawa and, of course, his mentor Gonagai really love just doing constant remixes of their work rather than sequels. There mm-hmm. is four or so different Mazingers, which are all, like, retelling the first one in their own story. I think it's, like, uh, it's Mazing Kaiser, God Mazinger, well, versus Normal Mazinger, mm-hmm. there's Zeus Mazinger, Mazing, Mazing well, Kaiser Skull. Well, Mazing Kaiser is, like, a sequel to at least one of the Mazingers, right? I'm pretty sure Great Mazinger is the sequel. Yeah, but... Like, Ka- no, no, I'm pretty sure Mazen Kaiser is just its own standalone show. Because if I remember correctly, the Mazen Kaiser OVA starts off with uh, Mazinger Z being destroyed, and then they run to a, a mountain, and they're like, oh, inside of the mountain has been Mazen Kaiser the whole time. Yes, but like the way this works is that you're supposed to have watched the original thing and then just be like watching this and also assume that everything's different and nothing counts and nothing happened. You know what? Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> That's the same way stuff like Get a Robo Armageddon works. And I mean, like, mm-hmm. in the first place, Mars and Kaiser isn't from that OVA. Mars and Kaiser is from the Super Robot Wars games. Got that <sighs> OVA afterwards. I, you're right, you're right. I did know that and I forgot that. <laughs> so, like, yeah, they, they just really like doing retakes and just remixes of mm-hmm. old works and characters. So this kind of thing existing is really no surprise. Yeah, it seems like uh, God Mazinger was a candidate, like when, uh, like when they were deciding what would be next after Mazinger Z. The general concept of God Mazinger was pitched, and then it was later like set aside, and you know, like in favor of Great Mazinger. Right, right, and uh, yeah, of course, the TV shows for these are all very different because the manga tend to be more short and violent. Yeah. Although, Personally, I haven't read the original Mazinger manga. I hear it just starts really good, and then Gonagai stops caring at some point from a lot of people whose opinion I trust. Mm-hmm. God, but, yeah, God Mazinger is also very strange in that it has 23 episodes, which is not a normal runtime. 
it seems like it was actually supposed to all like it was still meant to have a strange runtime, but it was supposed to be a little bit longer. But they kind of didn't have enough material, and so they kind of squished it together at the end. Honestly, sounds pretty good because you watch the first episode of this, and you feel like you're going to watch a 43 episode show. Yeah, like I for something like this, I would definitely prefer it to be shorter rather than longer. Like 23 oh, episodes absolutely. feels very very good. Yeah, 23 episodes feels watchable as opposed to the uh, intimidating, like, 50 to 60 old-ass cartoon-style show. Yeah, the classic, this is going to have 80 episodes, but the episodes that matter are about 12. And, yeah. And there's no way to tell which ones are the ones that matter. I mean, I'm sure, like, stuff like this and the Ghetto Robo anime and everything, stuff a lot of people I'm sure can get into, but personally... I think for most of these works, I just prefer reading the manga, which usually contains all the same important plot points, but with more just coherency as a story. Yeah, like, older anime like this tends to be the kind of thing where, like, if you watched it when you were a kid, like, that is the genuinely the best way to have consumed it. If over the course of a long, long time, you've watched a lot of these episodic shows and you remember all the you know, important bits, and you remember all the cool fights and whatnot. They're usually not yeah. meant for, like, binging in the future. Because the other problem with this is, of course, that the the show knows what all the most important moments in the manga are, because it takes way longer to come out than the manga does. Mm -hmm. So it's it's building up to those, but also, those are usually, like, the peaks of, like, a character arc. So you know the characters can't really develop in between the episodes. Mm -hmm. So anything that happens to them will just kind of sum out to zero by the time you get to one of the actual big moments in the show. Yeah. <sighs> but speaking of the show, Thermite, what studio is bringing this to us? This was brought to us by TMS Entertainment, uh, also known as the Tokyo Movie Shinshako. Uh, they've like we've done some stuff with them. They are like one of the oldest anime studios in Japan. Oh, what have we done? The name definitely sounds familiar. Uh, let's see. Uh, TMS is known for, uh, among other things, like the most isekai things I could find were Monster Rancher, Got Sonic X, the extended Bakugan franchise, and currently their big thing right now is Dr. Stone. So, like, is they, they... Bakugan enough of an isekai that we can cover it? I would be down for covering Bakugan. Uh, I don't think the original series counts. Like, some of the later seasons are all just, you know, over in the world of uh, Bakugania. That's definitely not what it's called. <laughs> but I, I definitely remember tuning in every once in a while to see where it is right now. I mean, there's a season coming out right now in 2020. There's been a lot that's just like, we're not on Earth in the slightest. We are just in alternate dimensions of fighting with these tiny little things that uh, fold up into spheres but are mostly unbelievable monsters of mass destruction. I can't believe you missed the perfect pun of Baku Bakuganda. Oh no. Ah, I see they did Rick and Morty versus Genocider in 2020. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I, I imagine hope that's Rick and Morty fighting uh popular common rider villain common rider Oja's uh, giant monster. Ah, I mean how many other genociders can there be? I assume uh, may I guess it probably isn't that one, because it doesn't seem like Toei's involved at all. But I mean, how many other genociders are there? I know Genocyber. Hmm. 
Uh, I see they also mm-hmm. helped out on like, you know, ALF the animated series, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, classic isekai. <laughs> Yet more Sonic stuff. Technically, Sonic X is a reverse isekai. Mm-hmm. Fuck, we need to put that on the list, don't we? Ah, we'll put it somewhere on the list. Anyways, God Mazinger. <laughs> so, well, just go ahead and give us a summary. Mm-hmm. We start with the OP, which is not a pump-you-up OP in the slightest. I I like no. the the visual is immediately very interesting because like you got the big old God Mazinger and big red texts, but you, we also have you know the sides of the screen are black and in the negative space of a gear we see what seems to be a like a, like there's a digital timer is attached to I guess a like motherboard because you've got other motherboard components on it. There's very obviously a CPU. It is counting up from uh, 08, 17, 11. And then some and of the... That is yeah. Ocean. That's yeah. Yellow. Like, it's not like the... It's not like the motherboard is going into the ocean. It's just that some of the circuits on the motherboard are extending down into the ocean. It's it's a really interesting visual. I don't understand what it is. But, like, the ED also has, like... Uh, circuit board imagery and whatnot in it so I, I i'm sure it's probably going to tie into something or maybe it just looks cool one or the other i'm sure it'll tie somehow into god massinger being like a thing that's yeah. technologically powered somehow <sighs> speaking of the god massinger we like we're not constantly panning up god massinger but like we are looking at this c slash this motherboard and then we will cut to a part of God Mazinger and then pan up it and then it'll disappear and then we'll pan up another part and then it'll disappear and the song itself is a very calm like you know a relationship song I suppose like it's all about like an important person and following them and you know doing whatever you can in order to be with them yeah it's like it's just a calm 80s J-pop love song yeah Immediately, Which is honestly surprisingly a genre that is pretty often associated with giant robots. Yeah. Like, it might just be because I have seen a lot of those dreamy J-pop songs set to giant robot things. But I feel like there is a strong association there. Like, I think it is the, you know, this thing seems like a big old heavy machine of war. But inside of it, there's got to be a person. And as a person, you know, people have emotions, people have connections and feelings. And that is what makes the giant robot a hero most of the time. Yes, except when, like... The ro- it makes the robot evil to keep the person trapped in it. Aha. Mm. This episode is called Resurrection of the Legendary God. <laughs> so, we we cut to some dark, evil woods. Evil dinosaurs roar. Like, there's a lot of... These dinosaurs look evil. They got you the red eyes. Because they don't have pupils. Yeah, they have irises. If they have irises at all, other some of them just have the big white eyes. They've got lots of teeth. They're very scary looking. They're definitely sort of uh, a mecha is meant to kill these guys type of dinosaurs. Ah, oh, yeah. You look at them and you don't go, "Where are these animals' rights?" You look at them and you go, "I need, I need a giant robot to punch these." <laughs> So, 
Uh, an evil pterodactyl with a rolled up note in its mouth flies around the outskirts of this big stone city. Like there's a stone city, there's stone buildings, there is sort of a mountain in the middle of it, and then there's a temple on top. On the outskirts, yeah. uh, the pterodactyl sees a man, a big mustached man with a horned helmet. This in man. An evil tent camp. Ah, yeah. Uh, he he tells the dinosaur, hey, are you looking for Burra? That's me. Drop the notes. It's me. It's Burra. I, I really appreciate how this episode very efficiently gives you a lot of characters' names in a very, like, I mean, this is the most blatant. My name is Burra. Please give me a note. But when we get to some other characters, they all, like, introduce each other in a very neat way. Yeah, and even this makes sense. You know, he needs to tell his dinosaur. I never thought that it felt forced even here. Yeah. And I like Bora. He's he's just a big he's just a big uh sort of something between like a Mesoamerican like sort of outfit and like a Viking. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Like the design like the helmet is very like modern Viking, not a lot of fur, just sort of like metal with the, you know, very artificial horns. And then his armor has, like, this big gold slash yellow, like, what would you call that? Because it's not a necklace. It is the, you know, it is part of the armor, but it looks like it's supposed to be some sort of giant necklace. Ornament. Yeah, there's a name for that. I've definitely seen (laughs) it in museums before. Yeah, like, it is. A a lot of these designs are based on real things, but, you know, just very gonna guide Kenny Shikawa up. Yeah, it definitely... It would be impossible to ascribe a single culture this is really taking its design sense from and more like, mm-hmm. well, you know, like this does take place in the kingdom of Mu, which is a lot more popular as a setting, I believe, in Japan. But it's like Atlantis, a like sort of legendary old lost civilization. Mm-hmm. Only this one's less associated with being like sunk in the ocean. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about the kingdom of Mu, but I've definitely seen other things mention it. I distinctly remember one of the Spongebob video games takes place there. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Which is, you know, like, they, they, they have Atlantis, and then they also have Moo in the lore. Oh, Spongebob lore is big. Yeah, I don't remember other stuff also mentioning Moo, but it's definitely not a thing... Well, I'm not going to say definitely not a thing this came up with, because, hey, who knows? But it's, it's you know, mm-hmm. it's a thing of legend that's come up in several different things. In yeah. several different shows or movies or books uh, so the note says that lord daughter will be joining them to lead them so they gotta stay put for a little bit until he arrives and Vera's like ah well i guess the, him, the people of Mu are lucky now because they get to survive the nights meanwhile we, in Mu, we zoom over to the temple of Mu, where we see some Mu soldiers they're all wearing I, I really like their armor because they all have like a big blue chunky armor with like the swirl pattern but then they have like an under armor that is like specified for their color and it doesn't always look good but i like them like in a lineup <laughs> like uh yeah, definitely Dar- good line of action figures oh uh, yeah like the moment i saw daria which is you know this big chunky brown boy with you know like uh he's got the blue armor and then his under armor color is like green it's it clashes so much it looks like a bargain bin action figure and also he has like Whatever the backwards cappy version of a crown is. Yeah, like all of them have something akin to a crown or like 
a helmet-ish, but his is definitely just a crown he's wearing backwards. <laughs> like, it can't protect him in any way, right? I guess if someone's trying to cut his neck. If someone's it's also just resting on his ears, so it'd probably just fly off. Yeah, it's much more crown slash tiara-esque than anything else. Yeah, they're definitely ornamental. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, Daria is saying that they're only losing because they're outnumbered. But then the very pale swordsman Zoraba admits that oh, the Dr- Dragonian's Dragoons are very skilled. They can even fend me off. Dragonian Dragoons. <laughs> They're really dragging on this conflict. Ah. Ah. Uh, anyways, like the the knights uh, talk about Princess Ira, and they're like, "Yeah, she's been pre- she's been praying to our like guardian statue for three days straight, and she is the last like member of the House of Mu. Like, we're kind of screwed, and she needs to survive because if she's gone, then all is lost. And do do you really think that praying to that god's gonna help?" I I really like the way they take this uh, because it isn't a we don't believe it is that they all know the prophecy and the prophecy is just like it seems impossible. Like, how are you going to fill this? The, so the god Mazinger will move when the unborn child cries, the moon's tears trickle down and the lion's mane sways. Spoilers, this is not very literal. <laughs> <laughs> This is, it's very like, oh, I, I guess this makes a vague sense. I always wonder how these work. Like, did someone see the future and know this was going to happen? Like, is this the, them saying, this is the moment? Or is it a, like, there is a ritual that must be done, and these things very vaguely fit in the definition of the ritual, thus awakening God Mausinger? I just like to think that it's hardcore medieval cold reading. I think it's just, I think anyone could just vaguely interpret something being the moon crying, an unbolded child screaming, and a lion's mane waving. Like, oh, the grass, it's waving like a lion. Oh, <laughs> a shooting star trickles down next to the moon. Oh, look, does mom just burped the cry <laughs> of an unborn child. I would like to believe that God Mazinger just likes these things. Uh, like this is the definite like this is the version of your mom wanting a favor so she goes out she buys your favorite donuts and she gets you your favorite coffee with two creams and two sugars <laughs> like god Mosinger just really likes the cries of unborn children the tears of the moon the lion's mane swaying you know it liking the cries of unborn children sure makes it sound a lot less sympathetic <laughs> to be fair i'm not sure if god Mosinger is something that cares about our sympathy or our like it is a big stone statue that kills dinosaurs. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, we see the princess praying. The knights are going, oh, what the heck is going on? We then cut to Japan. We cut, in fact, to a Japanese boy called Yamato Hino running in the rain, playing a good old-fashioned game of rugby, like a JoJo's Part 1 main character. <laughs> yeah, it looks very similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ah, uh, boy, I love Yamato's design. I mean, the design is just every time if you put a pen and go in a guy's hand and you say, draw a boy, this is the design. It is all of his main characters. Yeah, of uh, all the art style is taking a bit of liberty from what go in a guy characters usually look like in his own style. It's clearly like being drawn by an anime staff. Yeah, like uh, Yamato looks a lot softer than your classic go in a guy main character. Yeah, also a bit less 
cartoony, I guess. Yeah. It also, it, it depends on the angles. Like, he has a very specific, like, teardrop way in which he draws eyes a lot of the time. And sometimes you can see Yamato with those eyes, and sometimes you just don't. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's the Nagaya boy. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he, he's talking with a friend on his rugby team who is probably American. Like he's got the big poofy hair. He's got the big American face. You know how it is. Yeah, you know how it is. <laughs> his, his friend's like, oh, yeah, love playing rugby. And Yamato's like, yeah, I love rugby. As long as you got Yamato Hino on your team, rugby is a win because I love rugby. <laughs> this boy loves rugby. <laughs> he walks outside and tries to hand a love letter to a girl uh, a girl who's watching him play rugby and she looks at him <laughs> and she's like no I don't want to read your love letter I hate people who play savage sports like rugby in fact never oh, talk no, to me again rugby. <laughs> from now on I'd appreciate it if you didn't talk to me in class <laughs> and then she leaves uh, by the way she didn't even read the letter Like yeah. she just knows what it is and it's like no, not from a rugby-playing peasant. We have to learn more about her, because she was there watching him play rugby. Oh, she had a great, like, anime aesthetic shot of her in the raid, watching him play rugby. I'm sure you can find mm. GIFs on that, oh, on yeah. some kind of vlog. Girl who is about to reject you for ten hours, lo-fi hip-hop beats. <laughs> oh. <sighs> Like, since this is Gona Guy, I'm not sure whether this exists for some kind of meaningful point mm -hmm. or of like coming up later, or this just exists as some kind of weird wish fulfillment fantasy of sports guys getting turned down by girls <laughs> for playing sports by huge nerd Gona Guy. Very much possible. <laughs> you never quite know with Nagai which one it is. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is meant to set up the romance between him and the princess in that, you know, he's he's a boy who wants to fall in love, but he can't just he just can't find a girl who can accept him in his rugby uh, rugby playing ways. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say spoiler alert in episode one, he does not tell the princess that he plays rugby. So maybe that is the mid season twist of she falls in love with him. He falls in love with her. And then he says, by the way, I love rugby. And she goes, what you savage who would ever play rugby? <laughs> I wonder if this 23 episode show will have enough time to have an episode where he teaches all the knights how to play rugby. See, if this was a modern isekai, within the first episode, near the end, it, someone would have come up to him and said, I found this ball, and I want to play a sport, but all we have is, you know, a, a base Mageddon, the old sport with bad rules, and we don't know anything else. Could you please teach us another sport? And then he would have taught the entire community rugby. <laughs> with my cheat-level rugby playing, I will conquer this <laughs> other world. Anyways, he screams, oh, you're ugly anyway, it's your funny-looking face. I hate women. <laughs> <laughs> I hate women who hate rugby. <laughs> yeah, it's raining, so, I mean, it's raining much harder now. So he ducks into the uh, gym, he picks up a basketball. He's like, oh, these girls have no taste. I'm such a sexy athletic man. He throws the basketball, and then within the basketball, the vision, a vision appears of the princess from, the, from Moo. And she, he looks at the face that does not say anything. The basketball goes over to the basketball hoop, bounces against the hoop. The face appears again. He's staring at it, and he's like, what? 
I, it must be the shock of me getting dumped. I could have sworn I saw a woman's face in the basketball. <sighs> Gets a little I flash. Yeah. It does not sound like the vi- this is not a visual of him tossing a decapitated head. It is just a PNG of a like <laughs> semi-transparent face over a basketball. <laughs> <laughs> it is also important to note that they don't have a conversation or anything. He just sees the PNG over the basketball uh, flashing in and out as it goes and bounces off the hoop. And then he gets a quick flash of God Mazinger. But he doesn't, there's no progress. He just goes like, huh, that was really weird. <sighs> Very Anyone? much like Shirado in that way of him just seeing like a thing. But mm. also kind of looks like Shirado, but younger. Yeah. Like, he's definitely in the vein of the old-school anime protagonist, which, to be fair, was, you know, very influenced by Gonagai. <laughs> like, the yeah. overlap is there. Same hairstyle, vaguely, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the knights hear a sound, and they're like, all right, Lord Dorado has arrived. We cut to the... Uh, uh, the Dragonians, and I, I really thought when they said, like, you know, Lord Dorado is going to come in a day, I really thought what they meant was he was going to, like, travel there, <laughs> but he does, he just kind of teleports in. Well, either he teleports in, or he was, like, descending upon some kind, on the on the golden sphere as it came into view, and that's what we saw. Yeah. Because, like, later we see him use it, and he just kind of flies on it, and the way the shot works, you'd think he'll be appearing full center, and it's just his feet appearing on screen. Mm-hmm. So, it yeah. could be either. Agreed, yeah. Lord Dorado is... Uh, and I, We don't see villains like this very often anymore, but I remember, like, seeing a lot of characters that looked like this back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? That's such a classic <laughs> villain design. He's yeah. got, like, a big mask with, like... A sort of, like, Gundam face-esque, just extremely square nose. Two cutouts for the eyes with, like, small blue eyes squint out. Like, the he- helmet goes all the way from the top of his head to his shoulders. Yeah, and then, like... flaring like, f- out, and it's got two, like, bat wings. Oh, ma- it's also entirely made of gold, by the way. Yeah, hence the Dorado. Mm-hmm. And then, like, from under the mask comes this giant, you know, long cloak that covers up most of his body, like, we can see underneath he's wearing armor, but most of his body is taken up by this cloak, which must make him a lot easier to animate. He's also about twice the size of Bura. He is massive, and, like, you know, Burra's next to a bunch of other knights as well, so it's very obvious, like, you know, he is normal human heights, and then Lord yeah. Dorado is enormous. Yeah, like, kneeling, he comes up to Lord Dorado's kneecaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Burra runs over, kneels before him, and says, "All right, I'm going to give you my reports." And Dorado goes, "Nope, I- I've already been updated by our shamans. You don't need to tell me anything." And then, either a hologram of a snake shaman woman appears, or she teleports in, or uncloaks. Yeah. It's not very clear. Yeah, like with Lord Dorado, it is like ambiguous as to whether he's riding that thing or if it's like if he is teleporting in golden lights. But she just literally fades in. Like the they just kind of uncover the cell that she is on. Yeah, she's just glowy for a little bit and then fully untransparent. She's just here now. It's like a little wearing a bikini with like a cobra headdress, mm-hmm. green blue skin, green hair. What is it with assassins in old isekai anime and having blue skin? <laughs> uh, I, 
I don't know. I feel like, I guess it's supposed to make her feel more cold-blooded, or maybe undead. Or, like, sneeple. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is Yoname, and we hear that there is a spy inside of the Moose Fortress called Mitsune. Yeah. And uh, Lord Dorado sits down on a chair, so we can see that the inside of his cloak is red, and also he wears shiny golden armor on his entire body. Yeah. He's got a strong look. Yeah. Yeah, Burra tells us that, from, from what he understands, the god Mazinger is just a, you know, like a guardian deity of the Mu. Just this giant statue passed down from generation to generation. Just a legend. And Lord yeah. was like, oh, ha, 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 the Mu are going to be destroyed because they believe in such things. <laughs> the Mu will learn the folly of believing in Santa Claus. Uh, specifically he says I'm not going to destroy them because I want to it's that it's either us or them They're, those are the only two possible outcomes which feel like everything else he says feels like a sort of general like ha 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 evil man thing but that is a very like that line really sticks out for being a clear like no he is implying that this is a f- war of survival yeah but I feel like it might more be I feel like from the rest he said I think it's going to come down to being like Oh, of course, it can only in a philosophical way be us or them, mm. because we are the, the the ideologies of the Mu cannot let us survive as a like group or something like that. Yeah, I I can see that as well. Like just a, a we will win or we will exhaust all of our resources and we will all die trying to win. There is no option of n- surrender or making peace. Yeah. Hmm. He reminds me a lot of Iron Mask from F91. That is Gundam F91. Of course. Remember, this is an Isekai podcast. People are not going to know all the mecha stuff that we talk about. Speaking of, I'm going to have to really bulk up our spoiler tag at the very start. Why? Uh, Not for F91, but we we did a lot of general talk about Mazinger and whatnot early on. But, like, that's not Mazinger spoilers. I don't think Mazinkaiser isn't a sequel to Mazinger is a spoiler. I'll listen to it again and make the judgment, or, you know, we'll talk about it later. Okay, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. You know what, we do cover quite a few mech shows on this show, you know? Yeah, and to be fair, our, our spoilers slash just our general warnings tend to be kind of all over the place. Sometimes we go a little harder, say. sometimes we're just like, eh, this is whatever, don't even think about it. <sighs> yeah. I think by the time we're done, we'll have, like, five or six mech shows under our belt. Hmm. I mean, we could always have more. Yeah, we don't know which ones are gonna be surprise mech shows. I mean, can we count smartphone isekai? No, we can't. If we don't see any mech in the episode we watch, I feel like we we cannot say it's a mech show. It is just a pre-mech show. (laughs) Anyways, we cut to the princess. She's praying to God Mazinger. And we see that one of her attendants has, you know, uh, slitted eyes, implying that she is the Dragonian spy. Mm-hmm. I wonder if all the Dragonians are like lizard people or just the shamans slash assassins. Yeah, like, are they a different species or is it a, like, due to their devotion, they have gained reptilian, uh, like, bodies or something? Or is, like, part of them made of a different species and they're part? you know, part of the armies are human. Because we also yeah. don't know what the Rado is. There's a strong chance he's some kind of monster mash since he's like two and a half meters tall. Yeah. 
also, you know, they have an entire dinosaur cavalry division. So, like, is that them training dinosaurs? Or does their division just know how to talk to the dinosaurs? Are they just saying, like, hey, you're a dinosaur pal. You should go fight, like, you know, a dude on the streets. <laughs> you should get you let yourself get conscripted uh, into, as a burger, sir, for the Burger King army. <laughs> ah, that feel when you're a recruiter and you have to email dinosaurs who don't have good prospects out of high school. Anyways. Yeah, I was kind of thinking of fucking off to a forest and eating leaves for all my lives, but I guess the army provides me better opportunities. Mm -hmm. Have you considered eating leaves in a foreign country where you could kill innocent people? <laughs> Anyways, uh, the princess's attendants talks to her and is like, hey, you should get some rest. You've been praying for three days straight. And she's like, don't worry, I'm almost there. Just a little bit longer. Yeah, call that a three days grace. Well, to be fair, she does mention, like, uh, you keep on calling me the princess, but everyone else in my family is dead, so I am the queen now. <laughs> and the unborn child's name stated in the legend is Yamato Hino. Now, we don't, uh, we don't know what unborn child means in that context yet. Um, you say kind of child? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later, but we don't know, uh, I don't fully know if this is an isekai or not. Like, it definitely is in the sense of, you know, going to a different contextual, you know, world. But they do keep it ambiguous as to whether this is just time travel or not. Yeah, but also, last I checked, dinosaurs weren't alive then? Were they human who knows that seems Who like knows? A, that seems like a very anti-creationist view zaku <laughs> oh who would i be to deny the creationists this nipple anime so yamato's on the train and he's just thinking about how oh i'm i'm really tired i saw a girl's face in the basketball and i saw a stone statue he, he turns around and he sees on the train car like the the train is empty and a door opens and the princess is behind the door and she's like hey my name is Ira Moo you gotta come to the kingdom of Moo because it'll be destroyed you gotta come and he's like what what are you talking about just what in the world's going on and which to be fair yeah I, I would appreciate that these are very much visions like they it yeah. is it, it feels like he's actually hallucinating unlike a lot of series where it, it it's so obvious that it's not a hallucination and it feels like the main character is just being very dumb I, I can buy him truly not understanding what's happening oh yeah 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 it's not very obvious for him mm -hmm. we we cut back to uh yes we cut back to burrow where he's getting a report that the spy is going to kill ira by the time the moon has reached its zenith He's like, oh, yes, Your good. Oh, <laughs> Meanwhile, we cut to the, the Knights of Mu. The Knights are like, huh, they're not moving around. I bet they're afraid of us. <laughs> We're... Man, these are the four best knights they have left. <laughs> like, this is just a random battalion of, like, Dragonian guys and also the Emperor, I guess, with some shamans. Mm -hmm. And this is, like, Moose best of the best. Like, that kingdom is fucked. Ah, oh, yeah. They need reinforcements very badly. So, their their boss, Captain Dalton, shows up and is like, Hey, don't stand guard all half-assed like that. <laughs> he immediately takes them down five pegs, just in case you were thinking that they had a point. <laughs> yeah. 
God, dumbasses. <laughs> they hear a weird sound, and they're all like, what? What's that sound? And Captain Dalton says, hey, by the way, that is the sound of the Dragonian army moving forward. That is the sound they play. Well, I'm surprised you don't know this. <laughs> Listen up, guys. Starting to think their claims might have been slightly exaggerated. Mm -hmm. So their captain then tells them, listen, the, the enemy has a dinosaur cavalry that manipulates dinosaurs. They've got a lancer cavalry on land and a naval cavalry, under, uh, cavalry underwater. So just look out for all of those, you four. <laughs> <sighs> they talk to some other knights and go like, yeah, listen, we're, we're going to come under attack. We cut to the uh, princess. She's still praying. We cut to the spy. She's still staring menacingly. We cut to Yamato Hino. He's eating an apple. He's just vibing at the docks, eating an apple. He's like, yeah, you know what? I should probably skip school. I'm stressed. And vibing at the docks like a bad boy who plays rugby. In his rugby bag, a walkie-talkie goes off. He whips it out. and He's like, yeah, this is 007 James Bond. And his sister calls in saying, hey, you're late. I bet you're watching the docks. Uh, you're watching ships at the dock. Hurry up and come home. I bet that... you're watching Boondock Saints on the ship. <laughs> Anyways, she's just chewing him out for her, for their mom, and he's like, "No, listen, I'm at the library." And she's like, "No, you're not at the library. I'm also at the docks. These are walkie talkies. I couldn't possibly be calling you from that far away. I'm right here." <laughs> Oh, I think it's very charming that he just has a pair of walkie-talkies with his sister. Clearly, they have a good relationship. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I really like him and Kaoru as just a duo. Like, I, I don't know if we're going to see her after this point, considering he goes to another world. But I really like the two of them together. And in a very short amount of time, they set up their sibling relationship very nicely. Yeah. Well, so it'll be kind of sad that we don't get to see the relationships of the human world here again, because they honestly, the human characters so far seem... More interesting than most of the good guy Moo characters. Yeah, I'm really hoping that, you know, this means that when, you know, once we have more time to spend with the characters in Moo, they'll be fleshed out as well as the characters on Earth. I'm, I'm really yeah. hoping this is not going to be 20 episodes of them staying very, very flat. I mean, I hope not. There's no way. Yeah. Go, Daddy Nagai knows better. You know, it is said that the guy probably only wrote the vaguest outline for the story. Yeah, like, he almost certainly came up with a general outline and was like, all right, animate this, I'm going to write to the entire manga. I'm not going to yeah. tell you what's going on. I might make the main villain someone you kill off in episode one, as he did with Devilman. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> So, uh, Kaoru roasts him and sets up that, yes, uh, he has a terrible love life. She has way more chances of finding a boyfriend than he has of finding girlfriends. <laughs> and What happens when you play rugby? And as he gets really mad at her, he sees another vision. And he starts talking to thin air. And his sister's like, huh, big brother, what's going on? Are you okay? He's like... He hears in his head Ira Mu saying, "No, don't worry, that's not true. You're not, you know, you're not having a hallucination. You're definitely listening to my voice, the voice of Ira Mu." And he repeats, "Ira Mu," and she goes, "Oh, you said my my name, Ira Mu." Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's just glad that you can hear her. Mm -hmm. The uh, clouds are back in Mu. The clouds are beginning to cover the uh, the moon, and the. Uh, mm -hmm. 
you know, Lord decides, okay, I'm going to go invade now, sound those big fat horns, summon the dinosaurs. We see the same dinosaur uh, visuals again for a bit. <laughs> and now this is the part that confused me, because I, I will accept that Moo as a thing, you know, like that's known. That is not a thing invented for God Mazinger. <sighs> But Yamato immediately, like, without knowing anything else, he immediately goes, wait, you know, you're saying I'm the unborn child? Then what's going to happen to the moon and the lion? Like, he is so immediately tuned into the legend, and I don't know if we're supposed to imply that the princess told him all of this off screen, or if he already knew it. I, wait, didn't, wasn't, didn't he hear that, like, monologue while he was in the gym? Wasn't that, like, playing over, like... No, when More he like was on the train. No, in the gym, all he sees is the face, and like it, he like repeatedly says he you know saw a woman's face and the statue, and then on the train, all she says is you know like she does say that she is the princess of the kingdom of Mu, but she doesn't tell him about the prophecy there. So either she told him about the prophecy in between shots here, which is perfectly possible. It's just a way to, you know, like not waste our time as the audience. Or he already knew about it. I don't quite know which. Like it could go either way. Mm. Well, there is a lot of random other stuff that happens in between him getting zapped and him mm -hmm. just talking to her. Yeah, like he does know the Kingdom of Mu is located in a world 10,000 years ago, which again... That you could define that as it is this world, but 10,000 years ago, or it's another world, and also in that other world, it was 10,000 years ago. Or, like, he just, like, this is an unrelated move, but he just knows the legend of a move from 10,000 years ago, and he's just, like, wrong about it being in, like, real world. Also possible. Yeah, like, it's I, unclear. Yeah, and I'm not saying this is a negative. Like, you don't need to know exactly. Like, the, the whole point of the scene is just to show that he is resisting and that he is confused and that the princess is not doing a good job of explaining it. She basically just says, you got to take it on faith. <laughs> like, I, I don't even know. Like, I can't summon you. I don't know how you're going to get here. But if you have the will to protect me and fight alongside God, you'll cross over to our world. <laughs> mm -hmm. Which, I mean, strong statements. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, looking at us now, this is the first time I realized that, like, Mazinger's header thing is kind of like if he took a devil's horns and then like stretched and extrapolated it into an angel's halo. Hmm. Huh. That's a cool way of putting it. I can see that. It just really came to me at this moment. Yeah. Which, you know, like that definitely fits the whole, you know, being either God or the devil, depending on who happens to be piloting it. Yeah, because that's the big motif for Mazinger. That's, like, always the big line. It's yeah. like, Mazinger's with great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which would have been really badass if swapped around, and Uncle Ben told Peter <laughs> that he has the choice to become either a god or a devil <laughs> before he ever gets spider powers. Yeah, that is just a thing he says to Peter, you know, when he's going to the library, or when he was lying about being at the library. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> anyways the princess is about to be attacked by the spy but she uh dalton the head uh knight jumps in takes the blow and you know fights the spy and she's like no sorry the princess is like no i'm not moving from here i'm already talking to yamato hino i'm gonna summon him 
Also, yeah. don't forget how the assassin attacks with magic fingernail lasers. Yeah. Like, she extends her finger, and then we see, like, on black, and you know, the image of, you know, like, a, a green strike. And I guess that is supposed to be, like, an energy blast? Like an energy claw thing. Yeah. Anyways, Yamato is still confused, but he's doing his best. He's like, all right, I'm coming over there. Don't worry. His sister is understandably even more confused than he is. She didn't know anything about this. She didn't see visions, but now she is like, she does see them fading into the temple of uh, God Mazinger. Yeah, the sky turns into the temple. It's a pretty cool shot. Yeah. God Mazinger fires a beam of light at Yamato and <laughs> sucks him in. She's like, oh no, and she, I guess, runs to go get her parents. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, what else would you do when your, uh, when your brother gets slurped up into the sky? Uh, sorry, just a minor interruption. What were we talking about? Oh, Yamato gets slurped up into the sky. Yes. Yeah. He gets sucked in. Uh, the princess is like, hey, thank you, Yamato. You really came. More evil dinosaurs. I, I do appreciate that it's not like it, it isn't like a wave of dinosaurs or anything. I feel like a more modern series would do the like, oh, they have hundreds of them, but it is just like two or three, which is a understandable threat considering that the, their enemies have like, you know, normal ass knights. Yeah, they're like giant dinosaurs. Like it's yeah. a stegosaurus, but it's like the size of like a house. Mm hmm. Got a big also, old of orange T Rex. Carnivorous stegosaurus. Oh, yeah. And a T-Rex. Uh, this is interesting because it's still the old style T-Rex before people knew like what their posture was like. So it's all like stanced up with like arms to the front and the head like leaning down because it's, you know, stretching to the top. Like it's a Grimlock sort of posture. Yeah, very classic old dinosaur. Yeah. I I wish we had gotten to see more of how the knights fight dinosaurs, because they, they've been doing this for a while. Mm -hmm. I, I sure hope that doesn't get totally phased out as God Mosiger comes in to save them. Like, well, I, I mean, considering <laughs> that everyone seems to be dead, maybe they just are losing against the dinosaurs. Yeah, but I mean, there's a difference between losing against them and, you know, like... Like, uh, they haven't completely lost. Like, if the dinosaurs had... If there was no way for them to kill the dinosaurs, they wouldn't have survived up to this point, right? Like, the dinosaurs would have just walked through the castle and killed everyone. Like, they have to I have mean, some way to kill them. I guess. I'd assume, like, uh, catapults and other medieval military sort of stuff. I, I guess what I'm saying is I really hope we get, like, some Oh no, the Mazinger wasn't plugged in episodes. <laughs> Some there's a virus in the Ma Mazinger. They did they did an evil prayer, and now we have to do catapults until the Mazinger gets charged up with holy juice again. Yeah, that would be fun. Anyways, uh, Yamato runs in and is like, "Hey, Mister God, you you called me here, right? Why won't you do anything? Get up!" The spy says, "Screw you guys. The only thing that waits for you is death." <laughs> Uh, and she does her uh, claw slash beam, hits Dalton, and his blood splashes onto the carving of the moon. The blood like starts coming off of it and dripping off of the carving of the moon. And they're like, oh, the moon's tears. <laughs> Dalton then cuts. Uh... Did he decapitate her? 
he cut her good, but I yeah. don't know how because it was entirely off screen. Yeah. And then what we see is we, we cut to the carving of the lion on this like big plaque and we see an image of her hair floating over it. But it's not like her physical hair is on the carving or anything. It's just sort of this fictional image of the flowing hair. Yeah, because before that, we saw a shot of her hair just kind of waving in the wind when it was still attached to her. Yeah. So I think it's only supposed to be metaphorically they are seeing hair over the lion's mouth. Also, she just turns into light and disappears when she dies. Yeah. Uh, th- this anime does a lot of when the, the deadly wound hits, they turn into lights. <laughs> Which, I mean, fair. Uh, I guess it's just what Sneeple do, man. Mm-hmm. That's lizards. Yep. <sighs> Anyways, God Mazinger is pleased by their funny uh, the, the uh, sacrifices of the flowing hair and the crying moon and the cry of the unborn child. And it uh, d- shoots a big beam and it sucks up Yamato and Yamato is now in the stone. And then the stone kind of just like flashes for a second and becomes a giant robot. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's a statue and it just gains color to become a big robot, basically. Yeah. Like, it's like golden, navy blue instead of being rock. Yeah. I, I really like the color scheme because there is no red on it. It is not a more traditional Mazinger-ish look. It, like, the gold, like, the gold is really the only warm color on it. The blacks and the blues really give it a strong, intimidating look. It looks scary. It looks more devilish than godly. Yeah, and you can definitely tell it's more like of an like old guardian deity sort of statue Mazinger. Mm-hmm. Again, it takes more influences from various other historical armor that I can't even begin to name because I don't know anything about that topic. Mm-hmm. I I do appreciate the aesthetic of it not being like one specific culture though. Like it is just a lot of stuff together, and you know, just some stuff that is also just clearly fictional. Yeah, it's a strong look. Yeah. Yeah, and God Mazing is a good super robot. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, Burrow going like, ah, yes, kill every last moo, destroy them all. When they hear a thumping and the dinosaurs turn and they hear the rumbling of the God Mazinger. And he's like, okay, we'll scare it for a second. Don't worry about it. Four dinosaur core, go destroy God Mazinger. And, the, and the, the dinosaurs are champs. They go for it. We also see that Yamato is, like, he's not in a cockpit per se. He's just sort of in this, like, floaty world of golden lights. Like, he yeah. Yeah, he doesn't even seem to really have controls. Like, he's not even doing the G Gundam, like, my movements are then mapped onto the God Mazinger. It seems more like he's just kind of floating in there and thinking, and then the God Mazinger, like, responds to his thoughts. Yeah, yeah. It's so, uh, it's an interesting scheme for controlling robot. Also, mm-hmm. uh, dinosaur core contains no human beings or yeah. anything similar. Yeah, I, I really thought it was going to be a like you know the dinosaur core involves dinosaur tamers or anything, but no, it is just the two dinosaurs. Which makes me wonder again, like how how sentient are these dinosaurs? Like, is this a we trained dinosaur situation or is it a these dinosaurs are our parents? situation hey, i'm gonna be huge nerd and tell you that you're asking how sapient these dinosaurs are not how sentient they are yeah you're right all animals are to some extent sentient or like you know a lot of animals are sentient sapience is what humans have yeah 
slash maybe these dinosaurs. Ooh. Hmm. Uh, the dinosaurs tried to double team the god Mazinger, which is also uh, I love it. I, I uh, God, I, I don't think you can uh, you can make a giant robot fighting dinosaurs not cool. Well, so cool. Also, here's the other fact: Do we know that the Moo are in the right here? What if they are denying the sapient dinosaurs proper citizenships and rights? It's perfectly possible. Like they seem like they are the ones being oppressed here, but we have no idea. We have no context for this. We just know mm-hmm. they have a big robot. Mm-hmm. With no context, uh, Yamato stares angrily, and the god Mazinger sticks its hands into the Stegosaurus's mouth and then rips it in half. But it's not gory. Well, we, we see a second of its head and its neck being ripped apart and blood coming out, and then it quickly turns into light and disappears. Thank God. But Now it's completely safe work how it got ripped open like a chips packet. <laughs> Uh, this is a real, uh, like, the animators animating in blood and then just kind of going like, all right, how much of this can we get away with? How far can we go before we have to turn it into light? Because it isn't an instant thing. It is not, like, one frame of blood. Like, the blood is there for, a, you know, a little bit, like a, co- a second or so. It's more than I expected. Well, God Mosinger also just kind of, like, steps on the T-Rex and crushes its ribs and then it turns into light and disappears as well. Vera's like, all right, time to retreat. Let's get out of here. Uh, again, again, I'm curious to see, like, is it only going to be the dinosaur core that fight God Mazinger, or are we going to have humans try to fight this thing? Are, are they going to try and build a giant robot? Uh, or is Dorado just going to turn even bigger and fight him? I could see Dorado of just jumping in and trying to punch out the God Mazinger. See, I feel like the the like thing of like the tiny guy fighting the big robot just wasn't a thing then. But maybe I'm talking out my ass. I just feel like it wouldn't have been like Dorado just using his like cool powers to just one v one God Mazinger as awesome as that would be. Yeah, I I know. Like the earliest thing I could think of that did that was I believe a '90s Godzilla spinoff or like a Godzilla one shot, where the concept was. Uh, there was a martial arts man who was there when Godzilla was rampaging in Tokyo, and he used his martial arts in order to kill Godzilla, but Godzilla's rage could not be stopped, and so it went into his nuts and uh, reincarnated as his unborn child. And then there was like a, you know, a little scary moment where their child seems to be possessed, and then he's like, what? What's happening? Oh no, my child is Godzilla! And then his child, I think, kills him and his uh, wife and is like, yeah, Godzilla will never die because now I'm a human. So what I'm saying is it was, around the, it was around in the 90s. You know, when you uh-huh. brought up that anecdote, I thought the tiny guy fights giant monster would be the nuttiest part of that. And far from it, that is the least nutty part of it. It's just the intro. But yeah. What a story. It's like a Twilight Zone episode. Uh, but sadly, uh, if Dorado is going to eventually try and punch out God Mazinger, it is not today. He stares at him and goes, ah, we'll meet again, and jumps onto his disc of light and flies off as if he was riding the flying Nimbus. <laughs> the Knights of Mu look up and they see God Mazinger, and then we, God Mazinger walks by the screen and we zoom over to look at it from its feet up. And then we cut to darkness. And then we cut to the uh, the ED, which has a very like techy going back to old stuff energy to it. Like we start off with the well, keyboard. Yeah. The 
Yeah, it's mostly Da Vinci sketches from like the first minute in. Yeah, like it starts off with a picture of a keyboard, then it transitions to like sketches of a keyboard, and then it sketches uh, transitions to Da Vinci sketches. Uh. Me- meanwhile, the song itself is about uh, like it is also a quasi love song. Like, you know, living the way you want. Uh, it's 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 all right. Making my way downtown. <laughs> We see Yamato and the princess there, which is the main reason why I think they're going to have a thing going on. Like, whether it is a romance or whether it is just him, you know, telling her, hey, you should get out there and be your own woman like a Japanese person. (laughs) Ah, But yeah, that is the end of the episode. That is God Mazinger episode one. There is the whole series has been picked up officially. There are official subs for the whole thing. So if you want to watch it, you can. If somehow you listened to this episode and were like, I want more of this, it's there. Like we, I, I'm so happy we live in the renaissance of old ass anime getting, you know, picked up and get, getting actual releases. It's a good time to be alive. Uh, so, yes. do you have anything to mention in this episode that we did not go over during the episode? <laughs> I kind of don't. No, I think we were pretty darn comprehensive. There is going to be no timestamp for the discussion. We're doing the recap and then we're cutting right to the rankings. <laughs> Yeah, because surprisingly enough, I don't think I have that much on this episode. As far as mecha anime goes, this is pretty basic. Yeah, it's very simple, and you don't need much else. Like, there's... Honestly, the most interesting parts of this word are like human relationship, which is kind of a shame, since that's yeah. the part that we're leaving behind. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how we're going to handle this, because... In episode one, they don't set up a you can't go back. So it's perfectly possible this could be more of a Inuyasha-esque jumping between two time periods situation. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah. So, Zaku, I must ask you, the ancient trio. God Isekai can only be summoned when the spicy, the nicey, and the isekai have been pulled together. And occasionally Greed Islands, but not this time. Zaku, how spicy uh, was God Mazinger? Surprisingly enough, not very spicy. Like, maybe a three? Yeah, agreed. Uh, I might give it a two, honestly. Like, I feel like there was enough in the format and the visuals. and like. Usually you don't get a lot of conversation with the summoner before people are pulled away. But, like, mm-hmm. I guess Shirado also kind of did that. Yeah. It feels like now that I've been seeing more older isekai, it feels less like a spicy thing to me and more like, you know, it's just sort of a trope that we've kind of like lost in the meantime. And that isn't to say that, you know, that it can't be spicy. Like it is subjective, but like some some of the spice is wearing off to me. It It feels more like just sort of the 80s taste now. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same. So how nicely was this? Ah, I mean, the niciest parts to me, <laughs> the niciest parts to me were like the like, you know, all the present day futury stuff, like, you know, the relationship stuff, uh, Yamato and his sister, and then uh, the fight at the very end, which was all pretty darn good. Like, I liked it well enough, but it wasn't like it didn't delight me with sheer happiness. So I feel like a six is where I've got to put this one. Yeah, honestly, I felt very ambivalent towards this, surprisingly enough. Mm-hmm. I give it, like, a five. I mean, like, it's no Get-A-Robo. It's yeah. It's no, like, 
I don't know, man. It's just kind of like there's just little here for me to bite into. These mm-hmm. kinds of very episodic mech shows, even though I am a big mecha head, are just not what I'm into. I think, like, not just with... Uh, uh, you know what? Uh-huh. Though I do like a lot of the design. I give it a 6. I'll give it a 6 for, like, the potential. Yeah, okay, sure. I think with the more episodic shows, we've also been getting off pretty well with the fact that the first episode tends to not be that episodic. Because that is the episode where you're setting everything up, that's where the world's very fresh. And so I think, like, dude, just due to the format of our podcast, we have been getting, like, more favorable looks at a lot of these series because we don't descend into the hell that is 10 episodes that are kind of the same thing. Yeah, it's definitely saved us so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, how isekaisy was this episode? Huh, it definitely shook the norm in some of its isekaisiness, and we don't know for sure whether it even is one. So yeah. So give this a five. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I think, honestly, I'm probably going to give it a five as well. It is in the middle in that it feels atypical. I'm not sure if it is an isekai or like, you know, it it is, but I don't know whether it is a pure we're going to another world or whether it is a time travel thing. (sighs) Like there's it's ambiguous. And I do like that. Like, I think that adds to some of the spicy and the nicey. Yeah. In that, you know, it it does feel different. It is not super cookie cutter. And I do feel as, you know, I feel about as much confusion as Yamato does as to what is going on. Uh, It is, it feels really strange, to be perfectly honest, to have a series like this where, like, we tend to choose really old series because we tend to have a more polar, uh, polarized opinion with them, usually pretty good. And it feels weird to have a series like this where we're kind of just ambivalent about it the way we're ambivalent about a lot of other series. <laughs> also, it, it hurts my soul to look at our total score. The total score, again, does not mean anything. But God Mazinger has the same total score as In Another World with My Smartphone and Ari Ferretta from Commonplace World's Strongest. <laughs> For different reasons. But they're all exactly at 27. Also, the anime version of You Know, A Girl Who Chants Love at the Bound of This World. <laughs> Like again, for all for very different reasons, those got a vastly different score distributions. <laughs> this is like the ultimate show off force of uh, why yeah. this total ranking thing is so meaningless. Yeah, they're nothing alike in why they're there. Yeah, like you know, has very high nicey and spicies, and then we gave it you know very low marks on isekai because it's not really an isekai, or they don't really talk about the other world stuff that much. Whereas God Mazinger, very isekai, but then we just didn't think it was very spicy. Well, we will not abolish the total score system, nor will we abolish any of the scoring things that we have implemented, no matter how oh, much cool. they should be. Yeah, much like. Isekai won't abolish slavery. Mm-hmm. The only thing we're ambivalent on is Greed Islands. We made a... We, we changed it a little bit once. We could do it again. We could do You're a... You're ambivalent on this. I'm willing to stick with it. <laughs> Fair. <sighs> Alright, so... What are we doing next week, Saku? Next week, we are covering a good show. We're covering Marimashita Irumakun. Go watch it before we cover it next week. All yeah. of it. Second season's coming out right now. Hey. Maybe it's still coming out when uh, when when yeah, this is airs. 
I watched a bit of Yerimakun, and I really enjoyed it, but it's been a long time. Like, uh, off the podcast, you were telling me about a like an element of it that I legitimately did not remember in the slightest, so I'm actually quite happy to uh, re-watch this episode. Plus, you know, you are the one doing the recap, so I get to just kick back and l- watch a, a good comedy anime. And meanwhile, you have to do the recap on a series you really like, and then <laughs> we will go back to suffering. <laughs> Uh, well, we can welcome the suffering afterwards. We deserve a break every once in a while. Every, like, ten episodes or so, we get to have a tiny break. (laughs) Well then, with that, we'll give you a break as we see you in another world. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) 